Welcome to Voice Fiction. Meet authors of e-books, audiobooks, and audio drama. Be enlightened by post-production specialists, directors, voice actors. Learn more about the wonderful world of online audio. And now, your host, John Tandrazak. Thank you, Joe, for that fine introduction. And John, for his music. This episode of Voice Fiction Podcast, Horror. Here to explain our undying fascination with the world of imps, demons, monsters, and zombies, are Casey Whalen, Tansy Undercrip, Scott Marvin, and David Acampo. And for Voice Fiction, at the round table, Bobby Owens, John Toth, Glenn Higby, and me, your host, John Tetrazak. So, let's get right into it. Glenn, you want to start? <laughs> the official beginning. Well, welcome to Voice Fiction, everybody. Let's see. I'm going to pick on Casey. <laughs> Uh-oh. Can you tell us a little bit about your work in the horror genre, please? Um, okay. Uh, I've done uh, a lot of uh, independent like little shorts uh, that are horror-based. Uh, the most recent one that I did was actually in 2008 called The Barns, and it's uh, a lot of you know very you know, slasher-based kind of horror stuff is the stuff that I worked on before for visuals. And my most recent work is uh, We're Alive, which is an audio drama fiction, which is a, it's a serial ongoing story about uh, a bunch of people in L.A. trying to survive through uh, what people might declare as the zombie apocalypse. Cool. Yeah, and I'm a big fan. This is John, by the way. I just had to say it. Incredible oh, fan. Thanks, John. I'm going to add my hat in that ring, too. This is Tansy. Cheers. Thank you. David, have you uh, have you heard any of this show? I have heard a bit of it. Um, Casey kind of came on as we were wrapping up Wormwood, and so I've been following his stuff uh, uh, pretty uh, – I, I love what he's doing with the show, and uh, I, I'm fascinated by you know his successes and everything. But, Casey, I have to admit I've only listened to a few episodes. It's good stuff, but I, I just I, – I'm woefully behind on my podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I, I did listen to – I was the same way with Wormwood. It's just – it's hard to listen to other people's stories when it's like you're focused so much on like producing stuff. It's you know? true. It's very true. And I know you're working a lot on uh, – which we'll probably talk about later about uh, the comic book and all that stuff. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Who should I pick on here? I mean, I'm tempted to pick on uh, Casey Whalen since I'm such a such a, a big, big fanboy. Fan. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to resist the urge, and I'm going to talk to Dave. Uh, All right, David. I'm 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 a composer myself, so you know I'm always interested in music. Uh, what kind of role do you do you feel really that music plays? You know, in your uh, in your audio dramas. Big role, small role, what do you feel? M music definitely played a big role in, in our audio drama, Wormwood, which, you know, from the outset, um, 
we, we set out to create a, a mystery horror series and set in a small town. I mean, I was calling it, you know, Twin Peaks meets, meets HP Lovecraft. And it's just, it's one of those things where I knew that the setting like that, and I, I knew that we, our goal was to kind of create a television show without a picture. And I knew that music therefore would, would play a really important part. And so we went out of our way to actually find a composer who could create uh, an intro for us and, and actually some musical, uh, pieces that we could layer in and so we actually had him go about creating uh uh themes for us so there's a there's an opening theme but then there's like a mystery theme there's a melancholy theme there's a love theme and an action theme and we had him create little stings for those for each of those right so that we would have different bits that we could rely on because i knew we couldn't get someone to compose you know an original score for every single episode that would be you know just way too much. But at the same time, I knew that we could use the idea of I wanted the score to be original, but I wanted us to be able to use pieces so that over time you would know that if you go to this uh, slow brooding score, you know the kind of tension we're starting to build. You know, it becomes a little a little uh, uh, shortcut for the audience to know, uh-oh, something bad's about to happen. And so we, so with our, uh, uh, our composer, Todd Hodges, he did a fantastic job. And, and I have to say that more than the show, we get requests for the soundtrack. We get requests for the, uh, the original, the, for the theme song and everything like that, more than anything on that show. So I'm Incredible. very proud of, wow. I'm very proud of what we did with, with the music on that show. Yeah, as you should be. Wow. I've got a question. This is Captain John, by the way, uh, for everybody. My question would be, what is the scariest story that you ever heard or did? Oh, cool. Well, well I'm, I'm going to put up, this is Tansy, I'm going to put a plug in for Wormwood, um, which for me, before Precarious Audio Theater got going, that was a game changer. To oh. listen to the first season of Wormwood and be totally swept away. Um, was really, really inspiring. And the first season, and I'm just going to hit the first season because I, it became difficult to listen um, to the to the rest just because of my schedule. Um, was terrifying and addictive, and everything <laughs> that you want audio horror to be. You you want to long to be scared, and it was living right there. Wow, Very cool. Like, uh, so we're going to keep the lights on when we listen to that. Okay. <laughs> I would actually that first season. If you have to start from season one, you're going to need it. Okay, KC. Um, I'd say my more uh, favorite horror stuff is um, there. I have a, a bunch of really weird stories that I, I listened to, not listened to, but read as a kid. Um, there are a bunch of like uh, really simple but scary stories about. Um, one in particular was about these kids who basically went up to a cabin. It reminds me a little bit of Cabin in the Woods, except uh, to where they hear this horror story of, of like, there's this guy out there uh, trying to attack people. And um, where they're all, like, hiding out in a cabin. And one of their friends was supposed to show up, and he, he never showed up. Uh, and they're kind of worried about him. And then they, like, hear some scratching at the door, uh, and they think that there's, there's somebody outside, and they wait till morning, and it turns out that it was their friend who had been attacked, and he was scratching all night long trying to get in, and it was dead at the door. So it was, it was a really scary story. I probably, you know, played it down a little bit, but it was just terrifying when I was a kid. Scott, would you, since you're next to him, would you like to add anything to that? 
You know, I think I could recount uh, the scariest story I ever had was when I had to tell the kids about my seven-year marriage to their mother. True life story. Oh, you know, it was just better than goosebumps. It just hair raising or actually hair grazing because I seem to have lost all mine during that uh, time frame. So did you say it in your uh, your Bert voice or in your Scott voice? What's that? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, holy hell, I'll tell you one thing. (laughs) (laughs) It had more than Shirley coming to her, that's for sure. (laughs) And now for David... <laughs> uh, you know, I, I saw this question uh, uh, before the show, and I was thinking about that. I, two things come to mind immediately, and so going along the theme of the sort of cabin in the woods stories is, I think, campfire stories when you're a kid are one of the scariest things. Um, and I remember being in the Boy Scouts and uh, uh, having a scoutmaster telling this story. And I don't even remember the details. I just remember being riveted because, oh my God, he's going to tell the story of Stumpy. And I think it was a guy that had lost his legs or something and was, like, creeping around. And there's something about being in a dark in the woods when you can't you can't see very far. Your field of vision is limited to those circle around you. And everything out there is the unknown. And, and any sound becomes, you know, it just it mixes with your imagination so purely. Um, and, and, and so that's something that I thought of. And then it's funny because I could name movies and things that scared me, but... The one thing that jumped to the other thing that jumped to my mind was something that must have been some kind of TV movie, and um, and I don't even know what it was about. I didn't even know the name. I think it must have been about some kind of demon possession thing because I remember somehow I remember this a, a kid talking to someone about his like invisible friend and like oh he's right over there and I don't remember anything else. But that idea is something that I think I've been chasing, you know, in all of my horror fiction. Uh, it, it's just the idea that. There's something beyond this world, and, and, and maybe you can see it, but the others can't see it, and it's coming for you. Or, you know, there's something very sinister and menacing there, and I've always found that kind of stuff very scary. Right, huh. that's pretty cool. Wow. Well, what do you think I, about – this is Bobby. What do you think about the new uh, resurgence of Ahar, especially with the Walking Dead TV show? And, uh, and there's a lot of, obviously, audio dramas out there in The Walking Dead as well. Must have, for all of you guys, of uh, – made other people garner more even more interest in your work i'm i'm sure with horror being right up there again what do you guys think of the walking dead tansy i think it's phenomenal um and it's one of the reasons why um to work off of colin's questions i just leave zombies alone for right now um it is first rate it's big budget and it's scary as hell so nice to see that that is having a heyday, that that's in vogue. And I think that it's nice to see horror appreciated, all kinds of horror, not just slasher, but some of the supernatural and paranormal stuff. Um, And I know, sadly, that that worm will turn um, and Mm -hmm. we will kind of lose that edge, but it'll come back. It's cyclical, just like, you know, other interests. So right now I'm, I'm thrilled for them and I'm thrilled for us. Yeah, a lot of people, especially some people on this panel, um, I, I'm not a Walking Dead person, but I know, I think it's, JC, you're into this, oh, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and what is the diff- what, what really is the difference, would you say, then, because it kind of crosses genres between science fiction and horror? I mean, what, if you had to give a kind of a difference between the two, because it's, it's the same, but different. What makes it horror? Casey? Uh, to be honest, I've never seen The Walking Dead um, and a lot of people might be like, what? No, me neither. You're right. <laughs> uh, me neither. But uh, the thing about we're al- well, writing for We're Alive is I don't want to um, be like tainted with some other stories, ideas, or concepts. Because uh, apparently 
like we step on each other's toes a lot. Like all of a sudden we'll do something in our show and then they'll do it on their show. And some people are like, oh, they're copying. It's not copying. Yeah. It's just like when you work in a genre like this, uh, survival horror, a lot of people will cover the same ideas. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things I try to avoid. So unfortunately, I can't really comment much about uh, Walking Dead, unfortunately. No, that's okay. But, I'm, I'm just like what you know your your feelings on between crossing the line between science fiction and horror. Like I I think that's what I was kind of trying to get at because it's it's such a it, it it's related. it's a fine line in a way on yeah, some it, of these things you see you know it, it, and here. Basically, the the bridge between them is what's suspenseful. Uh, it goes back mm-hmm. to the you know the Alfred Hitchcocks of things is you can have something that's really a, it's a horror, but it's really not suspenseful and it's not scary. Um, it's the stuff. It's it's the concept of, and this is why I think makes a really good horror is, um, it's what it's not what you see, it's what you don't see that is sure. ten times more uh, horrific than, and scary than you know something that's really slasher and gory, which was something I think more in the eighties. Can I just add on to that? I just want to add on to that really quick. That uh, to me, that line between science fiction and horror, um, I think I think Casey. Did, you know, kind of hit it with the uh, the suspense. But to me, like science fiction is really um, uh, it's really intent on using science. Uh, so projecting it into the future to say, OK, if this happens, it, 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 some of that can be social sci fi. What would happen if, you know, everyone mm-hmm. would everyone dies or, you know, and, and the dead come back. But to me, uh, like The Walking Dead and, and th- speaking more to, you know, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman's original comics and stuff like that, he had no intention of explaining why the world is this way or anything like that. It's really just about these characters trying to survive. So as Casey said, the survival fiction. Uh, and so it's all about it's all about the characters and the fear and what they're going to do to each other or what's going to happen to them if they make the wrong turn or do the wrong thing. And uh, to me, that's why it, it, it stays very much in the horror camp. I think the Walking Dead TV series kind of went a little way towards explaining why this is happening, but it wasn't really a main thrust of the series. And so uh, I, I think they've kind of really kept, I, I guess if you'd call it sci-fi, it's more of that social sci-fi, that softer stuff about what what shape the world takes. But since we don't get any sort of overview of that world, we're just focusing on this band of survivors. I, I think that's what keeps it kind of more solidly in the horror genre. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we need to take a break, but we'll be right back, so please stay tuned. Introducing Small Worlds from Misfits Audio, Worlds of Love. (laughs) Ego, I suppose. It is flattering to have people run their eyes over my body. Disappointment. Immortality. Not exactly what you expected. Truth. I've seen him face down in the guacamole. Justice. You did... uh... Clean the blood off the knife. And the never-ending quest for a new idea. Sheesh, look at all these cliches. Small Worlds is a collection of short audio dramas written and produced by Colin Thornton for Misfits Audio. Longer than a fortune cookie, shorter than a comic book. Bite-sized entertainment for people on the go. Small Worlds. All rights reserved. We don't use lawyers. We use cement contractors. And now we're back. Thanks for hanging on, folks. Uh, I have a, a question for Casey since we were just talking about zombies and, um, you know, we're alive is pretty much center stage with zombies. You you mentioned that you, you don't watch The Walking Dead. How, how do you how do you personally when you're doing your writing, do you find yourself avoiding, you know, your typical zombie 
cliches because your stuff's a little different than your typical Romero zombie. Yeah, I well, the, the original concept for We're Alive, the the rhyme and reason behind everything hasn't been explained in the story. But it all kind of stemmed from that. Um, but it, like like we were talking about before, is uh, a lot of uh, what the the antagonists are and we're alive is uh, there. It, it's one part of it, but a lot of the majority of it is the the drama between the the characters and the people that are involved. I mean, the in some ways it kind of goes back and forth between multiple threats of of attack from either its people or its right. or its zombies. But then again, that that covers pretty much every single zombie horror but the the cliche portion of it yeah i like to stay away from um especially things that are physically impossible like um if i see like a lot of uh i've seen a lot of zombie things where it's like they're missing portions of their legs but they're still walking and i'm like there's no muscle structure there how are they holding themselves up kind of thing (laughs) right or they have no eyes or how are they seeing you or something like that yeah, if it's physically impossible, like the mass of an object cannot equal, you know, greater force and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's where I, I kind of go, eh, but I, I try and stay within that realm. Those are the kind of cliches that I stay away from, the things that are, you kind of shake your head and go, wait a minute, kind of thing. Really cool, really cool. My question was, uh, I think I already kind of already answered. However, I'm wondering, uh, maybe Tansy or David or Casey as well, I noticed on your podcast you have... Uh, People who can come in and help you. What were they called? Zombie, zombie lights, or I can't remember the word exactly that you use. But uh, Z turns. Z yeah, Z turns. That's it. Oh yeah, Z turns. Yeah. How do you, as a voice actor, or how do you get involved with something like this on your site? Well, the the Z turn thing, we uh, are still sifting through the uh, big stack of applications right now. Um, but it's basically somebody who wants to get involved in the show and work for free. Because basically, everyone who works behind the scenes. Most of us work for free um, to keep the show going and to get involved. Like it's it's got benefits though because like our first intern is now one of the producers on the show. So um, it, it's it's like one of those things where you want to be on a show and and kind of learn the steps of you know what's involved and and kind of get be a part of the process. And it's a great you know resume builder at the same time. That's kind of like what we are trying to do with the interns is give people an opportunity and also get more people involved in the show. And also, we also treat it like a business. And if we get somebody who's not a friend of ours who really respects and appreciates what we're doing, we're going to have a better product in the end. And if we fire them and if it doesn't work out professionally and we don't know them, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to keep everything on a, a pro sure. uh, kind of business level. I just have to thank you for the term Zintern which I'm going to use in my daily life going forward. <laughs> yeah. That's an excellent phrase. It really is. It is awesome. I love that. That is that's beautiful. So, so Tanzi, you have something like that as well? Some kind of internship for, uh, for your podcast? We do not, actually. We um, have an, a Skype interview process, oh. and we pay all of our talent. It, we pay them peanuts. <laughs> but most of the stuff, because we do very short stories, like eight minutes, ten minutes, Right. Um, most of that is monologue, truthfully, um, with a lot of special effects and some music use. So um, it's it's pretty easy to avoid having to have a larger staff. If I can just yeah. add on to that, we, we had sort of a, a family affair with ours, too. It was very small. It was just us. We didn't have any kind of interns or anything. Uh, I would just say that similarly, we pay people peanuts, uh, literally peanuts, that we feed them. <laughs> um, but uh, Hey, that works. Well, well, 
Well, <laughs> honey roasted. <laughs> here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, because we were in Los Angeles, and because we had done some short films, you know, uh, similar to Casey, uh, we, you know, we knew we knew some people in LA. We, we we basically did a casting call, and that's how we got our cast. So we put our cast together that way. And the thing about actors is a lot of them are looking for jobs for anything to increase their profile. And if you've ever been on a set with in, in, in any kind of short film or any kind of film, uh, actors half the time they're just sitting around reading a book and being patient, you know, right. and waiting for their thirty seconds their to time. roll. Yep, I've been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you give them a chance and a really juicy character to sink their teeth into, and you and you actually they actually get to spend the whole day acting. They love it. <laughs> and so I have a lot of great friendships uh, just from casting uh, these actors, and then just really working with them to make sure that they felt like, look, we're, we're feeding you that day. We're we're doing this we're doing that but you know obviously there's not a lot of pay in it but we're gonna have fun sure. um i found that i had a lot of people coming back and trying to work you know work it into the schedule and stuff like that so that we could have because we did all of our um all of our uh, uh audio episodes uh live and in person um not live but recorded in person <laughs> um and so so and then and then as it went along you know there were people that became involved in the show um we would do little things to get people involved, like have a contest, you know, figure out a way for a character to die and then we'll, we'll kill you in the show or something like that. As things went along, we would have like an audio guy come to us and say, hey, I'm do, you know, doing some audio engineering. I'd love to help you out. You know, so then like Casey was saying, you know, we, or maybe it was Tansy, but, you know, there's just a basic interview process and we just try it out. The other thing we had was a writer's room. And that's something that we started from the beginning. We knew we want to run this like a TV writer's room or what we envision a TV writer's room should be like. And so we, we shopped around for some of our close writer talent friends or people that we had met online or whatever and, uh, got, to, and, and got together. And we had an audition process there where people wrote a, a sample script for us either based on uh, a series Bible that we gave them and a, and a sample of the first episode and, or they got to, or any other kind of spec script that they wanted to send us, you know, thinking in those terms that like, you know, if you can write in the voices of all the characters on the office, then I know that you can, you know, write to the, my characters' voices, you know? So we, 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 yeah, you know, we got, we had about six people on our writing staff altogether hmm. and uh, it worked out really well. This is JC. I, I just had a question for Scott. I feel so bad, like we're ignoring you because we don't see your picture here. Uh, I, I had a question about uh, about you with your, I guess, getting into the Bird character. W- was there a particular in- inspiration that that you had? Uh, anybody in your in your past, family member, or how, how did you uh, kind of get into that? You know, I could answer in my voice, or I could answer in Bert's voice. It just <laughs> depends on what you're looking for there. Ah, uh, whatever you prefer. Okay, well, you know, it's kind of funny because when I was asked to audition for the show, Casey called me up and I met him in Orange. That's a city here in California. Uh, and uh, we, we sat and chatted for a bit and he invited me to come to the casting and just said, I'm going to send you the script, read it, and then just come and be prepared to do whatever character is speaking to you. So uh, I, I just went and I had an idea that I would probably shoot for Saul. And I read for that in some crazy Italian accent. And when it came to just moving people around in the studio during the audition things, Casey went, why don't you try this old guy, this this old retired Marine? So I just kind of went, okay, well, you know, at the moment I didn't think of anything directly. But now when I look back at it, you know, affecting a voice like this, you know, kind of reminds me just a little bit of Heartbreak Ridge, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Plenty now that I think of it. Right, right. I mean, not that I directly did it at the time, but. When you think of a Marine, you think of somebody who's grizzled and old and they've got a gravelly voice and they yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I love those oh, gravelly voices. Love those. Too many you cigars. Know. 
Too many cigars. <laughs> right face. You know. So I mean it just sort of came out in the audition process and then when we actually started to record, it was just sort of became that. You just sort of say, well, here I am, and here I am. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to do this, but we need to stop for another break. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this. Space, the final frontier of mankind. But what other creatures roam the galaxy? Captain, over here. This can't be. Look at the size of those carrots. Doctor, are these things edible? Captain, I have never seen a carrot three feet long. Not including the green tops. Do you know why we were sent here? I'm sorry, Doctor. I'd like to tell you, but it's up to Dr. Hop to explain it. Thank you, Miss Hoppet. You can call me Mary, Dr. Hopper. Stop, Captain. Look out. What the... These are the adventures of the Starship Jackal, our one-year mission to explore new garden patches on different worlds, to seek out larger and bigger carrots, to boldly go where no rabbit has gone before. At MisfitsAudio.com And we are now back. Shall we continue? Hey, David, Casey, Tansy. How important is the monster or the zombie sound in your stories? <laughs> the zombie sound. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> 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 ...on call. Very that was important. just his stomach grumbling. Oh, right oh, okay. times, you know. Just keep it at the stomach. Don't let it go low. Because <laughs> that's really scary. So I, I'm thinking that I'm going to borrow a little bit or, or piggyback on what David was saying, that sometimes it's not the actual effect of the monster, but the dialogue around the silence and what they hear or don't hear. It's almost like uh, the equivalent of saying, did you guys hear that? Right. Mm-hmm. And then yes, there's a period of silence. So, I so think, it's the reaction, not the action. Yeah. And that's that's more, I think that sets the stage for a very lean kind of punch when the monster finally makes some kind of noise. But we use that very, very sparingly. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, and, and Tansy would know this from the first season of Wormwood that the, we had a character called the Muddy Man. Yeah. And, and that, that was a, that was really important because again, sound is all you have. And so you, especially if you're visual, if you grew up on movies and comic books like I did, you know, it's so hard to figure out how to turn your visual imagination into an audio imagination. A lot of it is not having the sound and sparing and saving the sound for just that right moment. But we also, you know, with a character called the Muddy Man, we, that, that seemed to be this sort of blur and seemed to be made up of mud and dirt. And, you know, you could never quite get an image of what it was. Uh, we had to we had to kind of balance it between having the characters sort of tell us what you're seeing, but you can't do that without too much awkward exposition. You have to be very careful in how you do it. Um, and then and then we had to just use sound in just the right places. And that was uh, by creating I think by creating a, a monster that was sort of unique, that wasn't your typical uh, expected sound. We were able to sort of 
play around with sound effects, play around with, um, you know, uh, like different sounds and kind of make our own monster, which I think helped us out. But, but definitely later in the series, we had stuff like, uh, just to give you a little sense of it, Wormwood expands into this epic uh, drama that's got all sorts of supernatural characters in it um, in the second and third seasons where there's vampires and there's werewolves and there's zombies. And, uh, uh, you know, at a certain point, I think we did get docked a few points because, you know, you can only do so many, like, werewolf fighting vampires sounds. And and, and then it just loses all cohesion because, you know, it doesn't mean anything, you know, when, yeah. when, that's, when you've got, like, five minutes of people going, rah, rah, you know, it, you have to balance right. it with, uh, with with all the character stuff. So that was something that uh, that we definitely uh, toyed with as we went along in the series. Uh, if I may, um, one of the things that we use for We're Alive for the in terms of uh, any the zombie sound effects and things like that is it's a great device to uh, illustrate spatial differences between what's going on in the scene, like how far away they are, how many mm. there are, um, how are they reacting. Like say for instance we. Uh, one of the main characters actually shoots one. We have to have a reaction of the voice of it getting hit kind of thing. So it's the more you use it as a device um, as well to kind of like visualize what's going on. And basically, if anything happens with that zombie, like it gets hit or something, the more reaction of sound effects you use, the the, the more of a picture it gets, uh, it gets painted. If it hits it with a car, you know, that kind of thing. Do you guys do your own mixing, or do you have like a, a crew that does that for you, or do you guys, you know, what's your setup like? Uh, I'm the supervising sound designer, so I do. Uh, I have a first line editor and another first line voice cutter, but a majority of the mixing and editing and foley work I do myself. And Tansy, um, we have a music director and we have a sound engineer, and so I'm I'm pretty much. I heard the talent. <laughs> I write the stuff. We, I heard the talent. We do the live recordings, and then it passes to those guys to kind of punt it back and forth. And David, uh, we did it pretty much ourselves. I think when we first started, we hired an audio guy to just kind of gather us some sound effects. We gave him a list of the kind of stuff we needed. As we went along, we found that we could find most of those effects or make them ourselves and do the the fully. But we we really did everything ourselves. Um, in terms of effects and you know like i said we had a, a composer for the music so yeah we really it was really just us <laughs> i got a question for all three uh and i i know the answer for 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 kc and company but uh what are the next um the next projects like what's the next episode coming out for for wormwood etc why don't we start with uh david uh, well, actually, Wormwood wrapped up in uh, 2011, I think. It ran for three seasons. Okay. Uh, and from there, we've constantly toyed with our next audio project. But what happened to us in the meantime is uh, we had a comic book artist approach us who was a fan of Wormwood and was like, you know, we should really make this a comic book. I'm a huge comic book fan. I, I kind of always thought that this was sort of my excuse to do like a long running series i just chose audio instead of illustration so we got behind that and uh we developed a prequel uh mini series uh called sparrow and crow which are the two main uh, uh protagonists in wormwood and uh we actually shopped that around at comic-con in san diego a couple of years ago and we got a publishing deal out of that so that book is coming out and in the meantime we've done some other sparrow and crow series we have uh two digital anthologies that are available in the kindle marketplace right now uh weird winter stories and weird romance which are uh sort of themed uh anthologies that have sparrow and crow in them but that we brought in a lot of short story writers to to kind of do these different tales and uh um i can't say too much about what's coming out next just that if you uh, the comic book is still coming out, so if you visit us at sparrowandcrow.com, and crow has an E at the end of it, 
Uh, so sparingcrow.com, then we have, you know, information about the comic book and stuff. But we do have big plans in the works. And uh, we toyed with an audio for a long time because we we do still have one. One of our writers from the final season of Wormwood uh, had pitched to me something a long time ago using this agency that we had introduced in um, in the show and uh, uh, called the, the Supernatural Security Agency. Uh, which I, so I, it, the show would be pitched something like uh, Twenty Four Meets Supernatural, oh. and uh, we, we would love to do like a sleek uh, thriller, action thriller like that. And we just haven't got around to developing it and, and, and putting it on. So, so that's what I've got so far. And Tansy, nice. Um, well, I had a short story collection that came out this past fall, and Precarious is down to kind of special projects, so it is merging into Tansy TV that launches at the end of April. And we are going to do um, microfiction. I write microfiction daily, kind of in the Alfred Hitchcock style, unsettling little paragraphs from the middle of the story, and your brain writes the beginning and the end. So we're going to start doing um, audiovisual trailers for some of the work that's coming up, more writing, more books. Um, And then we're going to start filming the microfictions. Now, what I find, and I'd love to hear what the other people think as well. Colin, when I told him that um, the next big project was Tansy TV, um, said, oh, no, you've gone to the dark side. And I said, <laughs> it was mine. Yeah. But, um, but basically what I find, the plan is not only to put some of the instant gratification video out there, that's terrific, but to sneak in the audio treat as well. There's Ooh. something about presenting all of that video that makes the the odd audio experience come out like a jewel. So some precarious audio stuff will show up there as well. And we're looking forward to just kind of putting it out there and letting people discover it. All right, now we got for KC. We get a lot on the books for We're Alive. Uh, season 4 is coming up in August. Uh, I'm in the middle of working on uh, the Burt's Backstory book which uh, is just a little short no- uh, novella that should be coming out soon. Uh, and then after We're Alive, I honestly have a stack of other stories I've been dying to tell. Like, I have, like, a book here for the next series that's after We're Alive, and I'm, I am excited to get started on that once, uh, once the series wraps up. Is uh, We're Alive wrapping up with the next season? Yes, uh, this is the, the final season coming up, season four, and then it's all over. No! I'll be so, so you cure all the zombies, right? That's what happens, right? That's the end. <laughs> Come back! <laughs> I I will uh, give no drops of hints of what happens in the last series. <laughs> I got a question for everybody. How can people reach you if they want to? KC. Uh, I'm available via Twitter at Wayland, W-A-Y-L-A-N-D-P-R-O-D. Uh, that's the best way, or they can send messages through Facebook, uh, through the Wear Alive page. Would that be also for Scott? You know, if you want to get in touch with me, just reach across the desk and uh, and just kind of grab a hold of my arm. To answer the question seriously, uh, if you'd like to take a look at my Facebook page, you're welcome to. It's Scott Charles Marvin. And uh, if you want to send me messages there or even look at some of the graphic arts that I do because I'm uh, multifaceted. So Where voice work is only I do. Yep. Yeah. Basically, or a big idiot. But, you know, you make your choice. Yeah. He's got a great series um, of, uh, of punny, punny, funny things <laughs> with a P. 
Oh, punny. <laughs> punny. That's gets cute. Well, the, uh, the series is actually called Very Punny. Oh. Scott, Scott C. Marvin is very punny. I used to draw the first year I drew everything. And then after that, I got into miniatures and using cameras and and lightly photoshopping everything with always just a single frame, gun and gun, you know, kind of thing. Tansy. Um, always messages are good through tansyendercrypt.com. I'm also Tansy Endercrypt on Facebook and at TansyU on Twitter. Tansy, question. Is that really your last name? It is now. No. Um, ah, love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is real in that I uh, 100% legal pen name. Not a plume. I'm changing, I'm changing my name to Pansy then. Yeah. <laughs> David. Uh, well, I mentioned the Sparrow and Crow webpage, so people can go there for that stuff. If, if people are listening to this and are curious about Wormwood, uh, you can still search out Wormwood, a serialized mystery on iTunes, or go to wormwoodshow.com. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at dacampo, that's D-A-C-C-A-M-P-O. Um, and there's also a Wormwood Facebook page, so you can always find me through there, too. Okay, folks, that's it for today's show. And from the crew of Voice Fiction, we wish to thank you very much for being here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Wonderful. Our pleasure. Say goodnight, Shirley. Say goodnight, Shirley. <laughs> I love it. And that is a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this particularly horrifying episode. Chilly, wasn't it? <laughs> thanks for listening. Until we're dead again. <laughs> <laughs> This is your announcer, Joe Stofko, for Voice Fiction. The opinions expressed during roundtable discussions are that of individuals and do not necessarily reflect the position of Voice Fiction. This episode is copyright 2013, Voice Fiction Productions. For full disclaimer and privacy policy, visit voicefiction.com. <laughs>